Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, where each week, Dr. Frank Domino, along with his guests, translates today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. Now, broadcasting from the University of Massachusetts Medical School in Worcester, Mass., your host, Dr. Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health, and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Phil is here today for his annual physical. He is 55 years old and has a history of hypertension that is well controlled. He is classified as overweight based upon his BMI, and he wants some advice today as he's planning on competing in a triathlon next year. Phil has been sedentary for most of the last 25 years, but in his college days, he was an avid hockey player and athlete. Recently, he has done some running, swimming, and biking at a local gym, and he feels he wants to train for this triathlon because it will help decrease his stress and remind him of the athlete he once was. Joining me today is Jill Terrian, Assistant Professor and Director of the Nurse Practitioner Programs at the University of Massachusetts Medical School Graduate School of Nursing. Welcome to the show, Jill. Thank you, Frank. So, Phil sounds like an interesting guy. What can you tell us from the medical literature about triathlon training, especially in older adults? So what I found is a recent article that just came out that looked at um, basically a series of cases um, over the last 30 years. And really they looked at participants in triathlons. And what they found is that overall there were 135 related deaths in cardiac arrests. 90 of the 135 deaths actually occurred in 85%, uh, were 85% male gender. And they occurred mainly in the swim portion, which if you look at a, you know, a typical triathlon, swim is usually done first. So I found that interesting, especially when thinking about Phil. And um, the biggest risk was middle and older age men. They were, at, and first time participants. So these are things that as, you know, a primary care provider, when a patient comes in, and not being an endurance athlete yourself, or a triathlon participant, you know, they're asking for advice and you're hoping to help them uh, stay safe. So um, basically these events are not without risk depending on who the patient is. So it's interesting because there were, you mentioned there were 135 deaths and that was out of 9 million participants. So the death rate was fairly uncommon, but nonetheless, this is death from something that is probably preventable in people who have been exercising and working out a great deal. Um, why did you bring this paper forward? What's going on with uh, this ultra-endurance training and triathlon participation? Well, what they've seen from this data is that there is an uptick in uh, people participating in all types of endurance activities. And the main thing here is that they're not without risk and that um, when we look at the data from this actual case series, those deaths, you're right, it's not a high number. It, you know, if you look at it in incidents, what they could call out of it was that it was first-time participants and also occurred in middle to older age men, so anybody basically over the age of 45 to 50, and it occurred at the beginning of the race, the swim portion. So I think what that does is it gives us as providers information to possibly, you know, uh, counsel our patients, but it also tells people that are running various endurance activities that maybe they could 
you know, increase their safety measures if they know this information up front. So that raises my next question. What should we be telling Phil? What can he do in the preparation for this event to lower his risk for an adverse outcome? So overall, I think that Phil, as you know, your patient, you know his profile. So you want to look at his personal risk factors. First of all, it's great that he has an interest in wanting to increase his activity. Because overall, you know, if you're looking at decreasing stress at work, which he has stated, and also if he's going to be doing these kinds of activities on a regular basis, his BMI should be going down. All good, all good for his risk profile. So I think probably bringing to him an awareness of, of what you, you know, what we know in the literature right now and asking what has he been doing? You know, how long has this been going on? And how, what, has he had any adverse effects from it? If you think about going from a sedentary lifestyle to something like an endurance sport, you know, it can have uh, effects on your musculoskeletal system. Um, you know, you want to make sure that, you know, his nutrition and hydration is proper. He does have a history of hypertension. It is well controlled. But again, monitoring him, because if he does, you know, decrease his BMI overall, he might have a chance of coming off of his blood pressure medicine so that his blood pressure doesn't go too low. So those are the kinds of things I would, I would think about. You know, I'd want to know how he is training. And then besides his personal risk, you want to know about his family history. You know, are there any sudden deaths, you know, from uh, cardiac events? You know, what is his risk profile for his family history? Okay. Well, it, I do think this study sheds a great deal of light on, on the risk of death. Um, any thoughts about um, both physical injury and um, other physiologic damage? I, I can think of a variety of patients who uh, go into this training and develop shin splints, stress fractures, um, even bloody diarrhea. Any thoughts on what we should be counseling our patients about how to prevent those things and what we can do if they do happen? Sure. Um, well, first of all, it's, it's increasing over time. Uh, it's listening to their bodies, and it's getting the proper nutrition. Now, I think that in Phil's case, you know, he's, he is um, 55, so warm up and cool down is very, very important. Warm the muscles up and not to overexert. So for instance, let's just say Phil has been going on a running program and now today as part of his training, he's gone, he's, you know, he doesn't like the running part. He, he, maybe he says to you, running is my most unfavorite part of this, you know, event I'm planning for. So I kind of skimp on my running. But, you know, today on my plan, I have to run two and a half hours. Wow. And if he runs for two and a half hours, you know, how, how is he doing it? You know, so I would say, again, you have to increase over time and go by a plan. Um, you know, some of these endurance sports, they have trainers. Um, I mean, you could, you know, look them up and, and do your own research on them. That's nothing I could advise him on other than to say you need the proper nutrition and proper hydration uh, to make sure that you can have optimal performance and decrease your risk of injury. So it's, you know, it's all about balance and um, doing this over time. I really appreciate what you're bringing forward here today, Jill. I, I do worry a great deal about these folks. I, I worry about um, uh, how well they ultimately take care of their body and, and their mind. You mentioned nutrition. I know a number of my patients have taken a variety of over-the-counter 
uh, dietary supplements in the hope that it's going to help them be stronger or faster. Um, they also have a habit of possibly overusing or misusing um, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory agents, both um, when they ache and even beforehand to try to prevent some of the discomfort. So I, I, I strongly agree, appropriate nutrition, appropriate training, um, working with, with someone who knows what they're doing and sticking to a plan makes good sense. Any thoughts about uh, sleep or other things? Oh, absolutely. I think about sleep, restful sleep as important to recovery and, you know, and muscle, muscle and bone health, right? So I do hear what you're saying about the non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, you know, you know, less is better. And if, if, if Phil is going to have a lot of pain, something's wrong, he needs to back off. And so that's where I really want to stress that people need to listen to their body. They are adults, they can, you know, make their own choices. But not being an endurance athlete myself, you know, I would have to get a little bit of knowledge. I might even send Phil to a nutritionist that may specialize in people that do participate in endurance sports. I worry about protein intake and, um, and of course, hydration, so vitally important. So I know that these are rigorous on athletes' bodies. Um, and so, but I want to also be positive with Phil in that this is really great that he wants to um, basically uh, reclaim what he had earlier in life. But when you're three decades older, there is a reality check, right? Yeah. So, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I also have to be, you know, upfront with him that, that this is a risk. Right. Well, thank you, Jill. This is terrific information. Thank you, Frank. Practice pointer. With gaining popularity, triathlons and other ultra-endurance sports are becoming more common in our practice. While the risk of death is small in these athletes, care should be made to discuss with them proper nutrition, hydration status, and possibly working with someone who ex has expertise in training for these type events. Join us next time when we'll be discussing the role of azithromycin as a preventative agent in patients with persistent asthma. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. For more information about the article referenced in today's episode, look under the Resources section of the episode landing page. Need help reaching your CME credit goal this year? If so, please browse the more than 300 free CME-accredited activities now available on PrimeMed.com. Thank you again for listening.